Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Morning's reading is taken from Mark chapter 5 verse 21 to 43. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered round him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came and when he saw Jesus he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying, please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed round him and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once Jesus realised that power had gone out of him. He turned round in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, Who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, Don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. Morning, everybody, and thank you, Sharon, for reading that passage of scripture for us. I'd love us just to pray as we start in this morning, just that God will honor and bless the word and pray too for a few people. I'm just thinking of people who have lost loved ones um, during this crisis, this pandemic, and funerals are, are, are strictly weird, to be quite honest, and uh, praying for Eddie McKee today, who Marilyn's funeral was just um, on Thursday, and uh, praying for Ian Froggett at this time, who 
um, has lost his dad and for Stephen McHugh who has lost his mom. So Father, I just pray for the word this morning. I pray that you would go before us in it, help us to um, uh, unfold it and to teach it um, with your blessing and with your wisdom. And Lord, we pray for these people. We pray for the McKees today. We pray for the Froggets today. We pray for the McHughes today that you would just come alongside them and any other people who are associated to our church who are going through difficult times, God, we just lift them to you in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been on this series of following Jesus in all of life now from um, basically from last September. Um, we did that in three sections. We looked from September to Christmas at the ways of Jesus based on this verse on John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so we looked at the ways right up to Christmas time last year. And then through to Easter, we looked at the truth. We looked at the words of Jesus. We did that through some of the parables. And now what we're doing is looking at the life of Jesus, looking at what does a, a life lived like Jesus look like? What happens when we touch him? Or a bigger question we've been asking each week is what happens when he touches us? And a good question to ask yourself is what are you noticing at the minute? What are you noticing about yourself? Um, even in, the, in more solitude, what are you noticing in your community? What about opportunities, how to love in your neighborhood as we've been pushing you to do and how to look and to pray and to serve in those ways? Now, over um, the last few weeks, we've been basically looking at what happens when Jesus comes into a person's life. And last week, we looked at how um, Jesus' commitment to diversity, his commitment to fellowship, his commitment to perseverance was matched by the early church. And my suggestion to you was that that, of course, is our mandate that we are all of those things. This man, Jesus, who was no respecter of persons, who he just loved the young and the old, the male and female, the class and creed mattered not to him. And um, our reading today that Sharon read for us, we have another individual called Jairus. And uh, this, the thing about this man is that he was a ruler. We're told he was a ruler of the local synagogue. He would have been responsible for organizing the worship. He would have been um, running probably the school program. He would have been looking after the building. And these men would have had close links with the, the Pharisees. So it wouldn't be outlandish to think that they would have been maybe pressurized by the Pharisees not to show any support or allegiance to this man, Jesus. For, so for him to come and to fall at the feet of Jesus and plead with, with him took a lot of guts. Um, but then desperate times calls for desperate measures. And we hear the deafening words in the passage, my little girl is dying. His cry is that Jesus would come, put his hands on her so that she would live. This is a pretty strong statement. Obviously, Jarius had heard and most likely seen um, some of the miracles Jesus was performing. And we're told in, in, in verse 24, so Jesus went with him. This is a pretty cool moment for Jarius. He has just got the full attention of the greatest physician to ever walk the planet. He's got the full attention of none other than the Son of God, the Savior of the world, and he's going to his house with him. 
They set off, they head for Jairus' house, and this is where our story takes a weird shift. Remember, two weeks ago, we talked about this woman with the constant bleeding for 12 years. This woman actually interrupted Jesus on the way to Jairus' house. And this is the woman who touched Jesus, you remember the story, and drew virtue from him. This is where the disciples um, would wonder at Jesus' question, who touched me? They were saying, how can you ask such a silly question, Jesus? Hundreds of people are around you, and you ask, who touched me? Now, here's my little thought on that. Um, It's easy to be around Jesus and not touch him. It's easy to draw on the benefits of his company without the cost of receiving the virtue that might alter your lifestyle and your way of easy living in Christendom. You see, if you touch Jesus with intention, your life will change. Jesus is calling his church at the moment, I believe, into a narrow way. Matthew 7 tells us that in the Sermon on the Mount, that there's a wide and easy way that leads to destruction, but there's a narrow way that's harder to find, and few there be that find it. And the life lived for Jesus will cost you something. You need to know that. It will cost you something. Um, And that's important for us to understand. Um, Now, this woman was in it for the change. She'd had enough. She, she. This was her last chance dance, and she was going for it with all that she had. Now we talked about her enough. We talked about her a couple of weeks ago, and um, we mentioned her last week as well. So I want to keep our focus today on Jairus. All right. Usually, what happens here is the camera shifts in the story, and all the focus goes in this woman, and we lose sight of Jairus. And I don't want us to do that this morning. I wondered this week as I read this story what was going on in the mind, his mind, at this moment of time. His world is crumbling by the second. All his prestige and position matters not at this time. This, his wee girl is dying. Every parent listening right now can feel the pain of these words. My little girl is dying. What would you be thinking? You just acquired the top surgeon in his class um, to come to your wee girl who is dying and he gets interrupted by someone. Come on, Jesus, time is of the essence. Come on, get a move on, you would be thinking. Poor Jarius, I'm sure he's cramping inside. Have you ever found yourself in a place where all began to break down in your world because it felt like Jesus wasn't working to your time schedule? It felt like he got sidetracked on his way to yours and someone interrupted him. He got well-led. Oh yes, you've trusted him as your savior and you're a follower of Christ, but if you're being honest, there have been times if Jesus had just been quicker to come, if he had just been quicker to turn up, the outlook would have been so, so different. Jesus has got distracted with someone else, but of course when we need him, let's face it, it's difficult to see him working somewhere else. He could be doing it right beside you, but you're in your crisis And when you're in your crisis, you can't see anybody else or anything else. Actually, when your crisis becomes bigger than your Christ, that's when you get blinded. I remember my prayer after one of my deepest losses and tragedies was, Lord, help me to see you again. 
helped me actually to see other people again. It felt like my eyes got turned inward into the crisis that was going on in my own soul. And I remember praying those exact words, Lord, if I could just get my eyes turned outward again. You see, we live by time and calendars and clocks and alarms and reminders, etc. Not Jesus. He created time. He was before time. He will be when time is no more. And yet we get frustrated when Jesus doesn't work by our time clock, our schedule. This is what David was meaning when he was hiding like a, like a vagabond out through the caves and rocks and the mountains while his madman father-in-law sat in the palace and he wrote in Psalm 13, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? What a question for the sweet psalmist of Israel, the man who could be called the man after God's own heart. But back to our story, just here, Jairus is here, Jesus has healed the woman. He's speaking to the woman. Somebody comes up and we're told, some of his friends come up and tells Jairus, your daughter is dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Can you imagine Jairus' feelings at this moment? If only, it went, if only we would have went the other way. If only we hadn't have took this shortcut through town. If only, if only we would never have met that woman. This is just my luck. This is the way it always happens to me. I knew he wouldn't come on time. We can hear all the things that he might be saying. This is what Mary and Martha were thinking in John eleven twenty one, 21, when their brother Lazarus died and Jesus didn't turn up until four days later. And Martha would say to him in verse 21 of John 11, Lord, Martha says to Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Philip's translation, not J.B., me, um, says, what took you so long to show up? It could have been so different if you'd, done it, if you'd have done it by my way and by my clock. You see, the eternal purposes of God are, are not ours to understand. And sometimes we need to look at life, especially when crisis comes. It's important to look at life through eternal eyes and with an eternal perspective. And in the middle of Jairus' grief, Jesus looks him in the eye. I love this wee verse in verse 36. You could miss it if you, if you read it too quickly. Uh, he just looks him in the eye. In the middle of all this going on, he's just been told his daughter's died, all this commotion's about, he's just healed this woman. And Jesus looks him in the eye and says, don't be afraid, just believe. Don't be afraid, just believe. You know, if there ever was a prophetic word for the church today, that's the word. That's the word. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Don't let anxiety and fear take control of you. Just believe. I've often said to the church, uh, to you in church, that the truth is the truth is the truth. This is the word of God. And when my mind and this word get into an argument, I decided long ago that I'm going to go with the word. When fact and truth argue, I'm going to go with the truth, even when facts argue with it. Now, we're living in the middle of a world crisis. Over 30,000 people have now died in the UK alone due to this horrible COVID-19 coronavirus. 
Many of you are in personal crisis as well, trying to look after elderly parents that you maybe can't even... I spoke to someone this week who's speaking to their elderly parent in a home through a window, um, juggling depleted finances, homeschooling your kids who are all by now feeling the pangs of social tension. Um, How long... The question is, how long will we have to social distance? How long will we have to listen to PPE being talked about on the news? How long before I can hug my grandkids or the grandkids can hug your grandparents? What do you do when God doesn't come in time? What do you do with a disobedient God? A God who doesn't do what you tell him when you tell him or do what you want. What do you do with a God like that? Well, there are three things that I think we can learn from the life of Jairus that I feel would do well to put into practice at the moment. The first thing I'd say to you, at this moment in time, it's a great time to practice humility. Practice humility. We are not in control, and just in case you thought you were for a moment, you're not. Jarius was a leader. He would have had some status, I would imagine. He, would have had, he could have come to Jesus with persuasive language and even offered some money. But no, he's in a crisis, you see. And if there's one thing I've been learning over the years about crisis is this. Crisis humbles you. Humbles you. You realize you're not as big and as smart and as important as you think you are. Crisis makes you realize what's important and what's not. Jairus' credibility, his money, all the things that were important to him yesterday and the day before, right now, have taken so much lower rungs in his ladder. Our financial and political and governmental structures are creaking and crumbling before our very eyes. Economies are draining before our very eyes across the world. And all of a sudden, we're faced with the question, what can I put my trust in? What can I put my faith in? What will stand the test of time? Well, I'm glad you're asking questions like that because I'm here to tell you today that the economy of heaven is not getting squeezed. The word of God is not fading, all right? God is not wondering what he's going to do next. He's not trying to think of plan B. It was for this very purpose that Jesus Christ came into the world that he might redeem the world back to himself. How does he do that, Phil? Well, he did it on the cross. He bore your sins and he bore my sins 2,000 years ago. He bore the sin and the shame, every sin past present and future. He would cry those immortal words. It is finished. He finished the work to God, the Father's entire satisfaction, and he ascended to heaven, resurrected from the grave, ascended to heaven, and sat down on the right hand of the majesty and high, something a priest never done in the Old Testament. You couldn't sit down. Jesus Christ sat down. In the Old Testament, their work was never finished. In the New Testament, the work of our great high priest was finished and completed forever. 
We used to sing this old song, there is life through a look at the crucified one. There is life through a look. My call to you, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord today, the Bible says all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. How you do that, you say, Phil, well, you just say, I accept the finished work of the cross. I accept that I'm a sinner and I repent of that sin and I receive Jesus into my life as my Lord and Savior. How beautiful is that? So there's something about humility. There's something about humility that will position you in the presence of God. I love what 1 Peter 5, 5 and 6 says, clothe yourself with humility. Clothe yourself, put it on. Clothe yourself with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he might lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety and all your cares upon him because he cares for you. That's a great verse. Firstly, practice humility. The other two is really quick. Secondly, when God says it, believe it. Maybe you've given up on the promises of God. Maybe there's a promise that's long since passed its sell-by date. I've told you church dozens of times of my little bridge story as a boy of 11, day after day, day after day, listening to the whispers of God. 27 years passed before I saw any of these whispers come to pass. And I'm still seeing some and waiting on some 50 years on. Joseph waited 17 years. Paul, 14 years. Abram, 20 years. Jesus, 30 years. There is a golden rule in the kingdom of God. It would do well to learn and it would do well to write this down. Remember this. Delay is not denial. Delay is never denial when it comes to kingdom purposes. Because here's the truth about eternity. The truth is that in a million years from tonight and from today, we'll, we'll, we'll be alive in eternity. It's, in, it's incredible. And so it's really important to know that. So you might be asking all those questions, all of the things that, that maybe you're, you're, you're pondering about today to think, what is going on in the world? But stand on the promises of his word. He never breaks his promise. Start to look at life with an eternal perspective. So you need to practice humility. We, when God, secondly, when God says it, we need to believe it. And thirdly, pick your friends wisely. Pick your friends wisely. Jesus comes to Jairus' house, and when he's told the girl is dead, he disagrees and says she's only sleeping. And we're told they laughed at him. I love the very next line. After he had put them all out, he puts them out of the room. He takes the father and mother and the disciples who are with him and they go into where the child was and he takes her by the hand and he said to her, little girl, I said to you, get up. And we're told immediately the girl stood up and walked around. It's beautiful. Now listen to me carefully. These are life lessons today. When you're in crisis, you need to practice humility. When you're in crisis, you need to, whatever God says, you need to believe it. And when you're in crisis, you need to get friends around you that will, that you need people walking with you that will believe God with you and even for you. Friends that can push you in and if needs be, pull you through. There have been seasons in my life that I would not have made it through if it had not been for good friends. And I, I, I say another little thing on this. Mourning and hope can actually live together. 
Mourning and hope can live together. I'm living testimony to that. Mourning and hope can live together. All right? I think when I get to heaven, I'm going to have a conversation with Jairus, and I know what he's going to tell me. He's going to say, Phil, I'm glad I held on to the truth in spite of the facts. I'm glad I held on to the truth in spite of the facts. The fact said, your daughter is dead. Come home and leave Jesus alone. The truth said, Jairus, just believe. Now, years ago, to bring this into land, years ago, I put together a list of verses to help me through a crisis in my life, a really bad time. And I based it on my favorite verse in all of the Bible. Now, people laugh. I have many favorite verses. But this is my all-time favorite, Ephesians 3.20. Now, unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. That is some verse. So the fact is, I may not be able, but the truth is, he is able. The fact might be you're not able today. The truth is, he is able I call this my butt list. It was my butt list because there's a butt in the middle of every one of these that changes everything, all right? And here, here, here goes my butt list, all right? The fact is, things are really tough. Sin and temptation seek to demolish you, and you're not sure how to keep going. But the truth is, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The fact is, I'm not sure I can do this in my own, but the truth is, You can do all things through Christ who gives you the strength. The fact is, I'm tired and I don't feel like praising God, but the truth is I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. The fact is, you think the enemy is inflicting serious injury on you. The truth is, but the truth is, no weapon that's formed against you shall prosper. The fact is that you feel burned out and weary, but the truth is, they that wait upon the Lord, they will rise up, uh, they will renew their strength, they will rise up with wings and eagles, they will run and not be weary, they will walk and not faint. The fact is, you've been maybe crying yourself to sleep at night, but the truth is, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. The fact is, coronavirus is sweeping across the globe, creating havoc and dismay, but the truth is, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and all who dwell in it. The king is still on the throne, friends. Life is for real. Tough times come our way. Loved ones die. But listen, eternity is real. Heaven is waiting. A never-ending eternity of awesomeness for those who love him. Paul would put it this way. When he writes, he'd say in 1 Corinthians 2.9 in the New King James Version, says, I has not seen nor ear have heard nor has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. So if you're feeling vulnerable today, if you're feeling a little bit weak today, I finish with this verse, Deuteronomy 33, 27. I love this verse. The eternal God is your refuge and underneath you are the everlasting arms. Isn't that beautiful? The eternal God is your refuge and underneath you are the everlasting arms. I told you a few weeks ago, but whenever Daniel was a little boy, I just repeat the story because it fits. Um, when Daniel was a little boy, he would say to me on a Thursday morning, Dad, can I help you put the bins out? 
If it was the green and brown bin, it was a bit of an escapade. You think the two-minute job's going to take 20 minutes, but you know what we do as dads. And so, and so he'd go out, and I would lower the bin down to his level, and he would, he would take the bin, he would take hold of the bin, and he would, he would carry the bin, but he wasn't carrying the bin. And we would wheel it towards the gate, but he wasn't wheeling it. And he would take it out to where we leave it out at the footpath and he would set it up, but he didn't really set it up. You see, underneath him and all around him was his father's arms. And there's something about practicing humility in the midst of this crisis. There's something about believing God's word and allowing the truth to override every fact. And there's something about choosing wise friends because they will make or break you. And that's the eternal promises of God. I hope you're blessed today. I hope you take heed to this story. And I hope you allow it to um, filter into your souls. If there's stuff that you need to deal with, we've got a a helpline that is going across the bottom of the screen. Um, We'd love you to phone this number Someone would be there to pray for you. We'd love to keep in touch with you. If you've given your life to Jesus today, then let us know, please, will you? We have Alpha um, going now at the moment, which we could get you involved in. Dave's looking at grow some discipleship stuff that will be coming up that can help you grow into the things of God. So we have loads of things happening, and we'd love to help you. But let's just pray and seal the word of God today. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for the God that you are in the midst of every crisis. We pray for the families that we prayed for in the beginning and for every family represented over this screen today and every home that we step into today. Father, we pray your blessing upon every child, upon every parent, upon every elderly person, upon every ailment, upon every situation. Father, as every home difference and every face difference, so does every situation. And so, God, we give them all to you right now and ask you to come and be God in the midst of us. We thank you for Jesus today. And we say, bless your word in Jesus' name. Amen. And the Lord bless you. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.